My spiritual rhythms were perfectly designed to get me exactly what I was getting, uh, which is not healthy. And so as I leaned into it, I realized that it's not the natural rhythms, disciplines, exercises, spiritual habits I'm naturally good at. It's not those that are going to get me through this. It's the unnatural. It's the harder. In soul care, they call it the shadow side, the things that are not as easy for you. You're listening to the 95 podcast from the team at 95 Network, where we host conversations specifically designed to support leaders in small and mid-sized churches. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the 95 Podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today. Uh, This is Dale Sellers, Executive Director of 95 Network. And today's podcast is right in the sweet spot of what we do at 95 Network. We're working with, uh, talking today with Pastor Rusty Richards. He's in Manier, Illinois. And he's actually, he's like one of the first pastors that I met And one of the first pastors that I had a chance to work with when I started leading 95 Network. And we've got so much fun stuff to talk about today. Uh, Rusty, how are you doing, man? Thanks for joining us today. I'm doing great. Yeah, I actually got up early and worked out and things are things are going great and feel great. I'm so excited to be a part of uh, this podcast. I believe in uh, what you guys do at 95 Network uh, and to be a part of it. I've benefited from it over the years and just can't wait to give it away. Well, you have, uh, as I said earlier, I know you've hosted two of our conferences. Uh, yep. You've been on our lead uh, team that we developed within our uh, Facebook group at one point, and yep. you've just been a friend. Uh, you've been a friend to the ministry, and uh, and so we, uh, you're, I consider you to be one of the uh, bedrock people in my life and part of 95 Network. And so today, I know we have some specific things we want to talk about in the podcast. But before we do that, kind of take a moment and uh, just kind of tell us about where your church is, where you're located. All right. We're in Minear, Illinois, which is smack in the dab of what's called the Triangle of Opportunity between the cities of uh, Lincoln, uh, Bloomington and Peoria. And uh, the uh, we're in the middle of three counties right on the county line of Taswell and McLean County. Uh, our town is a town of 1,300. We're part of a school district that has eight towns in it. It's one of the largest, if not the largest uh, school district land area with the most towns. Uh, one of those co- districts that consolidated together. Um, some people say we're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I say we're in the middle of everywhere. Oh, the guy basically placed our church in this spot for a unique yes. calling and impact that we're having out here in the country. Uh, so we love it here. Would you say that you're definitely a suburban church or a rural church? (laughs) (laughs) We are a rural church uh, full of suburban people. And what I mean by that is we're a bedrock community, or uh, not bedrock, uh, bedroom community. Uh, people that work at State Farm, Caterpillar, uh, the, you know, Rivian. Uh, we have a lot of engineers, people like that. And mm. so they stay out here in the country where it's quiet, safe, uh, you know, slower lifestyle, but they drive 20, 30 miles to go to work. So we're like a suburb uh, in the country. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break. And as soon as we come back from the break, I want to hear Rusty's story. And we're going to kind of dive into some things the Lord's been showing him. So we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Hi guys, podcast producer Kevin here, and I served in full-time ministry for over 20 years in many different roles. No matter what role I was serving in, I was always looking for one thing, resources. From spending hours in the bookstore doing what seemed like endless searches on the internet, I was never able to find a consistent place to get the resources that I need. If you have found yourself in the same endless search, I want to tell you about the 95 Network site. 95network.org is your one-stop shop for all the 95 Network offers. 
You can find information about content, coaching, conferences, and so much more. Next time you're online, bookmark 95network.org on your browser and check back regularly for what's new at the 95 Network. Now back to the podcast. Okay, Rusty's back with us here now. We're so excited to, to kind of get to know him. And, and, and we just shared uh, the location of the church. I wanted to do that because I think it represents the majority of the churches that we work with. Uh, you are a normal church. The 95 network name comes from the fact that 95% of all the churches in America have less than 500 people attending. Uh, 87% have less than 200 people. Uh, people attending and uh, 75% of all the churches in America have less than 100 people attending. That's the name 95 network. That's who we help the small and the mid-sized church. And, and those numbers were pre pandemic. I think it's probably even different now than it was then. And so Rusty represents uh, a lot of the heartbeat of who we try to help today. So Rusty, take a few moments and kind of tell us your story. Let us know a little bit about you and, 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 and we'll dive into some specifics. All right, real quick. I grew up in a small town, a town less than a thousand people, Rich Farm, Illinois, south of Danville, Illinois. It's a poor uh, community. My uh, dad died of brain cancer when I was in third grade. My mom mm. was a school teacher. I'm a middle child of three boys. And my mom did not remarry uh, while I was in that household. So we, I was raised as a single parent, uh, widowed uh, mom, uh, you know, fatherless kid, if you would. And Were you the oldest? Uh, Were you I the was the middle. Okay. Middle child. Okay. All right. And uh, um, the, just I say all that to say that the church parented me, mm-hmm. the Bible parented me. Mm. I, I, I felt and uh, viewed God as my Abba father. The people in the church became male role models to me. That's I cool. saw the church in action. I was discipled, a youth minister, um, put his arm around me, took him, took me on a mission trip my eighth grade year. And that trip, um, you know, shook me. And um, that's where I felt my calling to ministry. Didn't know what kind of ministry. I knew I didn't want to be a preacher. Yeah. But, I want to go into ministry and I saw a bunch of fatherless kids there. And all of a sudden I, I thought, man, I'm not the only fatherless kid in the world. I, mm-hmm. I could, I could help others discover their heavenly father. And what happened to my dad is going to happen to everybody on the face of this planet at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, death is going to come. And so there was an urgency, a fire in me to give this away. And uh, I, I was a strong Christian all the way through uh, junior high and high school. I uh, went to Lincoln Christian university, got my bachelor's degree while I was there I uh, started working for a church in Chillicothe, Illinois, part-time youth minister. When I graduated, uh, married uh, my wife, Amanda, met her at that church, um, uh, married my wife, Amanda, uh, that church hired me full-time, and I was there 14 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was there, I got my my um, master's of pastoral care, I got my MDiv, um, uh, Master of Divinity, and now I'm working on my doctorate degree, but while I was there, um, the church grew from uh, 75 people to well over 200 people. Um, it was 14 years of very slow, steady health, very slow, steady health. And it, it was good times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during those years, the first seven years, um, I loved youth ministry, thought I'd do it the rest of my life. But after about seven years, uh, God started putting like a holy discontent on me in a sense of uh, he's preparing me for something more. And like David, who was anointed, uh, uh, but um, a anointed king, but wasn't appointed king for seven more years, had to go back to tending the sheep. So I also uh, remained a youth minister and was faithful for the next seven years as God prepared me for what I do today. When I came here in uh, October of 2015, which is next month, seven years to the day. Um, been here seven years preaching as a lead minister. What was the church like when you got there as far as what did you inherit? 
Yeah. So uh, the minister before me was here 34 years uh, when he retired um, and uh, the retirement was very difficult for the church as, as it typically is. There was a year and a half, two years uh, where there was a lot of fallout. They brought in an interim guy from Lincoln Christian uh, to kind of be the buffer mm-hmm. and um, uh, the church uh, lost, lost a good amount of people. And mm-hmm. when I came in, uh, they were just on fire. So excited to have me here. Um, and, uh, and our family embraced us fully. Um, church was struggling. It was a little over 200 people at that point really dropped in attendance. And, uh, we quickly grew a uh, hundred people on average and over the next three years or so, or four years or so. And I mean, it was for the country, for church of this size, it was That's, explosive. Yeah, I've, I've been to your yeah. area and that, that is, as you say, you're in the middle of everywhere, but so you're drawing people probably from all around. When you inherited yes. the church, it it, it uh, had had dropped off. It, it, was it yeah. like at the 400 number when you came? Oh, when uh, when they uh, when that pastor t- stepped away? How what was the number when he stepped away? You remember? Uh, it was under 300, but okay. it it was something like that. The church 20 years before had uh, sold their location and their building to another church and moved and rebuilt this gigantic facility that we're on we're in now. Mm-hmm. And when I got here, you know, it was debt free, but it was, you know, 20 years later. And basically the, the people just grew older with the minister as, mm-hmm. as it naturally happens. And um, yeah. So was it mostly older folks when you got there? I, I I don't want to say that because there was a lot of young families too, but I would say it was, it was statistically percentage wise. Yes, it was older. Okay. Yeah. So you come in, you're the new kid on the block. This yep. is your first pastorate, even though you've been on yes. staff at other churches. What, what was that transition transition like from you going to being youth pastor yep. and at one point thinking that's what you're going to do the rest of your life. And now yep. you're the lead pastor, which God yep. called you to do. Yep. And did, did you come in there with a great deal of, um, Naivety, because <laughs> I know I did in some things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think we all do, and even yeah. even now. And that's one thing I want to tell everybody is I'm humbled. I am totally dependent upon the Lord, and every day I feel like, man, I, I just gotta lean on Him because I am weak, and 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 you know, uh, God is strong, and it's His church, not mine. And I, I just gotta remind myself that. But when I came here, I had. I had the last seven years in Chillicothe, I became more of an associate. I, I did some men's group and connections ministry, started doing weddings and funerals and counseling and different things. And that really prepared me. Um, and when I came here as a lead minister, we changed our leadership or structure to policy governance team-based system and different things like that. And I understood uh, what it's like to run different ministries and different systems of doing things in, in the church, because I was, I I've done all those things. Sure. Uh, so that really gave me uh, an edge that maybe some ministers that jump right into preaching and lead minister, they, they didn't have that time to really, you know, do that. So, uh, How old yeah, were you? I, uh, when, when I first <laughs> came here, I was 30, 34, just 33 turning 34. Okay. Gotcha. So here you are, you're at the new church. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm assuming you've got a concept of how you think things are going to go. How was it when your first couple of months or first year there, how did that, how did that, because there's always a honeymoon period. 
There is. And uh, I've learned the honeymoon period will go longer if things are growing and things are working. Everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it lasted several years for me because we had nothing but growth the first four years. Uh, Our budget uh, jumped by hundreds of thousands. Our staff team jumped. Uh, We had a couple of people retire. We hired new people. And um, uh, in the first four years, uh, we launched the Love 20 Vision, uh, 20,000. Our church exists. Uh, so that the uh, 20,000 people within 20 miles um, living in the 20 small little rural communities mm-hmm. uh, would experience the love of God. Uh, we raised over half a million dollars. We bought uh, five more acres. So we doubled our, our land. Now we sit on 10 acres. We renovated 36,000 square foot. We added another 6,000 square foot on. We started new ministries. Our tenants grew, our budget grew, and we hired new people. So all of that happened in the first couple of years I was here, yeah. I mean, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Well, that was the 40 staff, baptisms a year. How many? Yeah. 40 baptisms a That's year. So good. How yeah. many? Uh, it, it, so when did you transition to where the staff was like, what, if I could say it this way, was your people, the people you had hired or you'd brought on? Yeah. Well, we, it was, it's very difficult. Uh, like a youth minister, I thought, I thought I had that a couple times, but uh, we kept going part time with students from Lincoln Christian. A lot of them, they graduate, they get married, they move away. Sure. And, and so we were just going through youth ministers left and right. Mm-hmm. Just recently, we we figured that out and we we made it a full time position. And okay. now we've got somebody, and we're hoping that that's going to fix that. But uh, worship, uh, we thought we had that, and we lost that. Staffing's been a real thorn in my side. Uh, we have, it's been difficult. Uh, and, but right now, for the last year, I would say uh, we've learned the lessons the hard way. That's something I'd like to talk to any minister out there that's struggling with mm-hmm. staffing right now, because I've been through the fire a couple of times. And as uh, our church has learned a lot of lessons. And uh, as a result, I think we have the dream team right now. So and let's do this before we talk here. about the dream team. Tell us a little bit about why it was so difficult. What 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 have, what have you mm-hmm. learned on the first to identify what the difficulties was? And then let's talk about yes. what you've learned. OK, so uh, first off, first off, before we talk about that uh, I got to mention that a lot of the difficulties is myself. Okay. Uh, you know, I had to uh, figure out who I am and, and um, over the years um, I was still, I was running a lot off of passion mm-hmm. and charisma and personality and energy and uh, just wanted to reach everybody for Jesus. And uh, I didn't do a lot of soul care and self-awareness to really figure out my strengths and weaknesses, my limits and limitations and competencies to where, um, you know, uh, I could have a healthy staff culture. Um, with that said, uh, in February of 2020, um, I had done a lot of funerals uh, leading up to February 2020. Mm. And uh, in February 2020, a lady uh, died. And we had a couple of ladies actually die around that time period. But I uh, was doing the funeral and um, all of a sudden I got choked up and I couldn't talk. And I mean, it went on for maybe a couple minutes. I don't remember. It yeah. felt like forever. And afterwards, I went to my elders and I let them know that I'm like, I need a break because I feel like I've done so many funerals and things or whatever that I I felt like I was burying my own grandma. Like Mm -hmm. I just, it it just really tore me up. And then a month later in March of 2020, when the pandemic broke out, I was on a road trip with a class at Lincoln Christian university. We were somewhere out in Pennsylvania or somewhere doing some 
uh, or Virginia doing a um, history of restoration movement class with Bob Ray. So I'm, I'm gone. I'm getting phone calls that all this is happening. Um, I come back. And um, at that time, we had six staff. I was full-time, worship minister full-time, family life, kids full-time. Then we had two admins that were part-time and a youth minister that's part-time. Okay. And uh, our church at that that point was running over 300 people average. I mean, we had Easter's that were, you know, 500, you know, just we were really growing. Um, I had big plans. I was excited about things. Um, but just as things were going up, everything crashed down at that point. Mm. Um, I wasn't having fun anymore. The next couple months as this church was shut down, uh, it, it dawned on me that um, I don't, I thought I loved preaching, but I don't love preaching. I love people. Mm. And when you take the people away and I preach to an empty room to a camera, I didn't like that. It, it, it tore me up. I lost my passion to preach, didn't want to preach anymore. Um, uh, the other thing is I, I truly become friends with everybody. And when people leave your church and don't come back, um, sometimes uh, for whatever reason, uh, if you see them around the community, sometimes they feel awkward. They feel like they can't be your friend anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think a preacher can only lose so many friends. And so yes. I, I, I had lost a lot of friends, but the most painful relationships to lose are staff because you pour into them. They get, they're so close to you. And, uh, and I, I lost a lot of them. Um, another sign that things weren't going well in me was that I was exhausted. I'm a very fit guy. I do a lot of weightlifting triathlons. Uh, I did a, a 14 and a half hour, 25 mile ruck, uh, recently with a hundred men. Um, I do a lot of that stuff. Have but, you always uh, done that? I've always been, so you've it, always it, been real healthy. It, okay. It's been great. Yeah. yeah. But um, but I told my wife around that time that my chest hurt and I couldn't breathe. And it turns out that um, that the anxiety, I was having panic attacks and stuff. It was just too much weight on me. Um, and so you would think that the greatest challenge would have been navigating a church through uncharted waters of the pandemic on the outside or helping hurting people heal through the loss. Uh, not for me. The greatest challenge was inside of me. Mm. I didn't know how to care for my own soul well enough. Okay. And um, everything was slipping out of control. I wanted to fix things, but the harder I tried, I made things worse. It's very humbling for me. After 20 years of ministry, um, honestly, I don't remember one year at any church I've ever served at that we had declining attendance. And yeah. all of a sudden, everything was just falling apart on me. And uh, I took it personally um, as some of the staff, we, we ended up losing several staff real quick there over the summer mm -hmm. uh, due to um, issues that were, we were trying to deal with, but could not, um, uh, um, you know, deal with it quick enough and personally enough over the, that time period. And we lost uh, several staff, uh, one or two of them went to other churches. And I took that as rejection. Mm -hmm. And I took it personally, one or two um, left and did other things. Uh, it doesn't, didn't really matter um, how they left. I, it, all of it hurt me. I really loved every one of them and I still love them. Um, uh, but I, I feared that I wasn't good enough to be a minister anymore. Um, but instead of giving up, I gave in to God. I surrendered my my calendar to him. I surrendered my family, my plans, this church. I gave God full access in my heart, dove into soul care. Um, turns out that I was a lot better at caring for other people than I was for caring for myself. And they're uh, done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Let me ask you this question. So would you uh, say 
that during um, the, the this time uh, from beginning of ministry up until this point, yep. would you say that you that you defined your life by being a, a minister, by being a pastor? For, as far as like success goes, would, would you say that that was yeah, in yeah, your I heart? Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had really only experienced mostly yeah. positive experiences up until that point, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, it's it's fulfilling. Everybody wants to make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be respected. Everybody wants to, you know, have a purpose, you know, and so forth. And, and you know, I was helping a lot of people and, and it, it was working really well. But it was still unhealthy because it was feeding and, your emotional tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, anyway, what did I do? This is what I did. And if anybody's listening, this is what I would tell you: I swallowed my pride and found a Christian uh, counselor, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Foster, uh, Truth and Love Counseling. I'd recommend him if you're in the Bloomington area. Um, I found a Christian mentor. Somebody that's been ten plus years more and longer in ministry than I in preaching. That's Ron Otto at Lincoln Christian Church in Lincoln. Uh, Ron, if you're listening, I love you. Phil, if you're listening, I love you. I developed some strong bonds with other men through an or- through an organization that I actually started in this area called F3. It's a national organization. 60, 70,000 men are in it. I'd say the best thing that came out of the 2020 pandemic for our church was a strong men's ministry. And it's still running today. Two years later, we still have uh, a lot of men in Involved. In fact, most of the men in our church now either know about it or a part of it. And it gave me an outlet to just be another guy, to not be a minister, but to show up and just be another guy. So F3 um, stands for Fitness, Faith and Fellowship or Fitness, Fellowship, Faith. And uh, I'd love to talk to any guy about that. You go to F3Nation.org if you want to check that out. We are the Central Illinois region. Another thing I did is I joined a minister support group. And uh, I would recommend anybody to go to CovenantConnections.life. Um, it's the founder is Alan Algrim. He was a, a minister, retired minister. And uh, he wrote a book called Soul Strength, Rhythms for Thriving. And I highly recommend this for people. Um, I've been in the, this covenant group uh, for two years. A covenant group is five ministers. They have to be men. They cannot have any association with each other, like work for each other, report for each other. It's got to be from different uh, you know, states or cities that can't, can't live close together. Um, and it's five men. And um, so you're committing with four other men other than yourself for three years to meet every month on Zoom, uh, once a month on Zoom and to go on two retreats, four day retreats every year. And the whole purpose is soul care through vulnerability of being 100 percent transparent with each other. We believe change of pace, change of place and change of people. Uh, vulnerability of um, saying, uh, I have no more secrets, all is well with my soul. Uh, most pastors do not have a place to be 100% where they feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some pastors say they can do that with an elder. No, you can't. Some some people say they can do it with their wives. No, you can't. She's a woman. You're a man. Men have some struggles that you need other men uh, to pour into. Um uh, some people say they have it with somebody in their church. No, you can't because that person's in your flock. Um, you need somebody that understands you. That's your gender. That does your your job. You know that that gets that. And you need to be go away with that person. Um, and uh, so anyway, that's been very therapeutic on my heart. Um, 
another thing I did is I dove into um, to just soul care in general. Um, you know, when the pandemic broke out, I preached uh, just a bunch of prophets, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Micah, went through the book of Matthew, preached a series called Just Like Us from Elijah. Um, we asked the question, are you going through COVID or are you growing through COVID? Um, then I preached the whole emotionally healthy spirituality this fall. We're doing emotionally healthy relationships. I decided, hey, if I'm going to go through soul care, I'm going to take everybody with me. And, That's good. That's and really good. Together. <laughs> I want to do, I want to take a quick break and then we come back. I've got some specific questions that I'd like to ask you. Uh, and so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. My name is Marianne Sibley, and I just wanted to jump in real quick and ask, are you frustrated standing around wondering where are the volunteers? This is a hard, hard season. And I understand that maybe some people may not be coming back or worse, they're back but not serving. Did you realize that people will actually decide whether to come back or not within the first five or seven minutes of visiting you? Did you know that the sermon actually starts in the parking lot? And I would argue before the first name badge is put on. Did you know that you actually don't need more volunteers? That in fact, you just need the right volunteers. So that's why I'm here as part of the 95 Network. I help churches with all things volunteers and especially in the area of guest services because building real teams versus just gathering pools of people will make all the difference. So you'll have the best volunteer culture. So if you're worn out or you're overwhelmed, you're doing it all yourself, I think we should talk. You can reach me at Marianne at 95network.org and I'm also on their website. Now back to the podcast. Well, we're back with Rusty Richards, pastor at Minear Christian uh, Church in Minear, uh, Illinois, right in the heart of middle of everything. And we're just kind of working through, again, uh, Rusty, he's one of us. He's he's one of these guys that's in the 95%, uh, inherited a church that was transitioning, experienced a great season of, of, of health and growth, but personally uh, wasn't doing so well on the inside, uh, and it kind of all came I don't know if crashing down or just out in the open as we begin to deal with the pandemic. Rusty, what do you think the uh, where did the source of your discontent come from? Do you, is there anything you've looked as you've gone through counseling, you've worked through some stuff. Is there anything you discovered about yourself that you were trying to maybe to fill a hole in your heart or solve an emotional need? If any of that, if any of that relates, what, what was going on inside of you that kind of brought you to this point? Um, I, we all have insecurities. And if you talk to any counselor, they're going to bring you back to trauma, usually trauma from your childhood. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, my father died of brain cancer. Uh, my whole life, I wanted to hear, uh, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, son. You know, I want to make my father proud. Um, he loved the Lord. He, he sang in church and uh, led a, a Sunday school in church, actually teaching James 1, considered pure joy, my brothers, whenever you suffer trials of many kinds. He was teaching that uh, right when he died. Um, did he uh, die lot. suddenly? Did it? Did, I mean, did this kind of hit him and he's gone or was it a long process for a, you? It was a couple months of yeah. watching uh, the radiation, chemo and, you know, and surgeries uh, quick. destroy him. And yeah. I've got lots of trauma from that. But how old were you when he passed? You said what? Third grade? Third grade. Third grade. And, and so you y'all had been close. He'd been there. You're feeling secure. Yep. And then yep. he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. And so in ministry, um, you know, I, I have some insecurity in me that, I mean, I just want to be a man that my dad is proud of. I want to be the father and husband that I never, that my mom didn't get, and I didn't sure. get, you know, 
And, and so, man, I just uh, I take that into the church. I am a successful achiever on the Enneagram. Uh, <laughs> I I just push, push, push. And there is oh. like never enough. Well, that's okay. why you and I connected, because, you know, when I wrote stalled, one of the things I talked about when I wrote in the book was, you know, my, I grew up building houses with my dad. My dad was physically in our home. And as I've gotten older, I've discovered this, that but he was never emotionally there. Yeah, and, and so I worked so hard in high school and even in college. And then I discovered I've done it my whole life to trying to get him to say I'm proud of you, yep. um, and 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 so I relate a lot to that. Well, what is it about us as guys? What is it about us that need our dad to tell us that? Have you worked through that yet? Yeah, I think there's a God given uh, you know thing inside of all men and all people. Is your same sex parent has has that. Um, on you. I guess for me, um, you know, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. And, and in order to be faithful, I can't give away what I do not have, what I do not possess. I, I can't, uh, you know, ask people in the church to, you know, to, to uh, go where I have not been. And, and so for me, um, it's just asking why, why do I need the validation of other people the way that I do? Why do I, uh, when staff issues come up, why do I take that so hard? Um, why do I feel like what I do is not enough, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh, you know, what's underneath it all. And, and you <laughs> discovered that it was the trauma of using your dad. I truly, do. I, I believe that. And I believe uh, the reason I'm a people pleaser is because my mom uh, just cried all the time when I was a kid. Mm. And it, as a kid, I just didn't want to make my mom cry. She was overwhelmed. And, and so here I'm still doing that with people today. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with caring about what other people think. I think everybody should care, but you shouldn't give them so much power over you to get take your value and your worth upon how other people feel. Um, so that's just, it's just not pastors. Helpful. Pastors do it all the time. So, yep. so you and I, as, as we have, uh, have, as I've established, you know, you and I've been, we've been friends for a long time. I remember yep. a conversation you and I had. Yep. Uh, somewhere once the pandemic had kicked in and you're doing the online thing and you're freaking out because you're like, I, I, I don't like this. Uh, I, front of, I don't I like it. being in front of videos. I'm a people yep. person. Yep. And I, and so at that point I knew I said, man, God's doing something in you because your, your security, what you'd had in the past. I mean, it's you gone. had known nothing but success. Yep. Uh, everywhere you'd gone, everything you'd hand, everything you touched your hand to turned to gold. The church had grown. And, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and working yeah. with pastors like I do, you, you, you at this point would pretty much a success story. But then all of a sudden you're you're in this situation. And, and I wanted to go here because so many of our pastors are still working through this. Yep. Uh, you know, when, once the pandemic hits and you're not in front of people, the it wasn't just the church thing that was unraveling. It was you were unraveling because oh, you're absolutely. like the thing, your security uh, yep. uh, is it, gone. So what, how did you, how did you know, okay, enough of this stuff. I got to get help. What was there? A, was there a turning point? Was yeah. there a moment? Yeah, yeah. Kind of walk me through that. Yeah. Well, uh, again, we had a lot of staff exit uh, the summer of 2020. Um, and that, I mean, that and you took that of- personal. You, oh yeah, they're rejecting oh, yeah. you. Okay, all right. Yeah, oh yeah. Even though uh, several of them were not specifically calling me out, some of them were. Um, but I, I took it personally because I wanted to keep them all and couldn't 
keep them happy and mm-hmm. so forth. So, and, and it really did hurt. And so that caused a lot of elders meetings that caused a lot of questions and things. And, um, Were the elders have, questioning but, you, uh, I, me questioning me, uh, people questioning <laughs> our leadership as a whole. Um, but yeah, uh, it, um, that moment plus the, the physical, uh, panic attacks I was experiencing, uh, the, the mentors in my life, uh, all of that added up to, um, to, to a, a moment of, of surrender. Um, when you say a yeah. moment of surrender, was it like a breakdown? Was it just a, a, just a day where you go, I can't do this. Walk us through that. I was okay. I, okay. Let me say this to some people. Some people wish they had this. I have a calling. Okay. I'm living my calling. Mm-hmm. My calling is not just to ministry, but it's also a specific calling uh, to a specific kind of ministry in a specific setting to a specific people. I believe God's got me where he wants me doing what he wants me to do with the people he wants me to do it. Mm-hmm. And so there ain't nothing that's going to remove me from this. Okay. I, this is, I, I, I am so stubborn and so, um, you know, committed to that calling. And I feel it so strongly that nothing's going to move me from this. So uh, when I uh, run into an obstacle like that, giving up is not an option. Okay. okay? It's, it's more of a, what can I do to get right uh, to, to, so I could be faithful for the long haul. Okay. I was 14 years of minister. I plan on retiring here unless God moves me elsewhere. I, you know, that's my plan. All right. So, uh, I, uh, um, you are, you are locked into the calling, which that's important that we talk about that because we we see that a lot of folks are are leaving ministry and maybe it's because they're not locked into the calling. So you're, you're locked in, but, but you still know I got to get help. I got to get help. I got to get help. I, it was a moment of, I can't fix this myself. I can't fix me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I need help. I'm, and, and it was also admitting I'm a follower first leader or minister second. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I had those flopped. Okay. So I had to become a follower in order. So I could, I got to be a disciple before I make disciples. Okay. And uh, for me, that was a huge deal. Um, there's something called a relational pyramid. Uh, there's three levels of authenticity. Um, you have at the, the base of the pyramid, the biggest level is honesty. The second level is transparency. And then the top level is vulnerability. I say this to say that most pastors live in honesty. Very few make it through transparency because there's you can only be appropriate with so many people. But the top level of vulnerability is this like 10%. And for me, I had nobody I was being vulnerable. Yeah, with. I remember this about you. I remember, what you about? know, we were doing a, we we're doing a call one day uh, and and uh, uh, and I had ta- spent some time talking about yep. the leadership and raising up people and handing off people. And then, yep. you know, you're on the call and about 10 minutes into it, you know, you come on and you're just, this is before the pandemic. You're exhausted. You're like, I'm fried. I'm tired. And, and, and so I said, well, what have you been doing? And man, you went through your schedule that week. I'm going, good yeah. gracious dog what you know you're out like taking donuts yep. to the school for something and, yep. and all this yep. and and i looked yep. at you on the call and i said so so dude well you know wh- why aren't you handing this stuff off and you made yep. this statement I've, I've quoted you so much you said well i've never made leadership a high priority i'm yep. going well no wonder you're fried <laughs> yep. Yep. but yep. does yep. not does the, not the lack of, of vulnerability transparency does that not keep us from becoming people who develop leaders? Have you thought that through? Kind of walk, walk, walk me through why you know what happens in us that we don't develop leaders when we're going through this insecurity stuff. 
Yeah, I think there's some some pride of uh, there. I don't think this was my major thing. Maybe it was somewhat, but this was a pride of I get to be the one that delivers the school lunches to the school. So I get the credit and I get to feel the the, the fuzzies from the, it the superintendent. Your emotional my tank. Hand. Yeah, your emotional I tank. get that mm-hmm. because my emotional tank's so low, you know. Yeah. So there is some some joy from doing certain things that sure. you don't want to give it away because you like it. Um, other t- other things, it's uh you have to surround yourself with people that are team players, that are servant leaders, that understand that they're here. We're all here for for each other. Even though we have our areas of ministry, we have to serve each other and, and help out in different ways. Um, you know, I, I didn't have that. Some of my some of the staff team uh, were either you know, part time, didn't have the bandwidth or the time or mm-hmm. didn't want to to help out in other ways. Um, so that's something else. I, I got to you think when, when you're with uh, when you have that situation in the staff, is it because there's just a lack of trust among all of you? There was definitely a lack of trust. Absolutely. We the thing is, is that team uh, hadn't been around long enough to really build a lot of trust. We were trying it. Was it it was like a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the problems uh, of of hiring staff. If you hire staff too quickly, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a problem. And if it's their first time in ministry, and you know, and so forth, and it's unbalanced team, we we were unbalanced. We were not healthy. It was too quick. A lot of young, uh, very competent people that were awesome. I, I love every single one of them, mm-hmm. and they were great at their their what they did. But it was not healthy. Is it so, because you didn't trust them? Uh, there was a little bit of that back and forth. Absolutely. And, 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 and so they may I, have felt that. I will uh, definitely, definitely. And uh, I have to ask myself how much of that is uh, leader leadership versus followership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all have a responsibility uh, to be followers and servants of each other. Uh, we need to be good leaders at the same time. You know, they need to be good followers. So it's it's back and forth. I would say I did have a lot of insecurity in me. Mm-hmm. And I had been running so hard, like at the church I was at before here, um, there was very few staff there. So, I mean, I was juggling at all. Spinning, spinning tons of plates there too, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't the lead minister. And then I come here and I keep spinning plates. I'm really good at spinning plates. But, but it's because but, that's your MO. That's that's, that's the way you were wired. I want to yeah. ask you this question. I want to ask you to it from two, two different perspectives. Yeah. If, if I'm listening today and I'm a staff member and I'm in yeah. that situation to where I really want to help my pastor. I want to serve my pastor, but I know my pastor doesn't trust me. And of course, obviously, I'm going to take that personal. I'm going to think it's about me. But what can a what can a staff person do to help build trust from their perspective toward the pastor? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, what would have helped that. you uh, if you're if you felt like your people didn't trust you? What would have helped you to release trust, if I can say it that way? Yeah. Well. Um, if if uh, I think a lot of staff, like including myself, when I was uh, um, a, not a lead minister, um, we don't understand how much uh, the leader, the lead minister, like I, I don't know every church is like this, but for me, um, I defend and uh, stand up and appreciate and encourage and behind the scenes and elder means speak up for staff uh, mm-hmm. as if, you know, they're myself, if they have a, um, a problem. It's my problem. If they have a weakness, if they fail, I fail, you know, if they, they succeed, you know? So uh, I think a lot of staff members, um, 
need to understand that your lead minister is just like you is, is a normal person struggling uh trying to grow in their relationship with god balance their their time and their family and their priorities and so forth and um we need to develop a relationship outside of ministry as best as you can to know them as a person not just as a co-worker um and then to build friendship but um but there's got to be teach a, a teachable spirit they they need they need to come to you with this idea on both sides to say um, I don't know it all and I don't it doesn't have to be done my way um, I'm willing to learn and figure out what is you know clear understanding of what the minister needs and wants um, and you know how they tick so that you could best um, you know uh, support them. So, you, so now let's flip it. So you're the, you know, you're, you're talking to a pastor today and the pastor knows, Hey, I'm, this is my problem. I, I don't my I don't have staff trust, but it's because yep. I know these things about me. What, what you've walked through that. What, what would you, if you were talking one-on-one with a pastor today, what would you tell them to do? Yeah. So when you have feelings of staff that don't trust you, um, instead of, uh, you know, the, counselors would say picture yourself in a room with four walls and four doors and one door might say uh you know blaming them one one door might say uh make excuses one door is justification one door is denial or um uh, uh, whatever instead of choosing a door sit down in the room and ask yourself why are you feeling what you're feeling Good. don't choose a door just Good. soak in the moment and get to the root of why you're feeling what you're feeling. Okay. And if it takes you, you know, all day, it takes you all day, but do not choose a door that is destructive and, and just going to uh, destroy things. So you can't um, force staff to do anything, uh, but you could love them well and you could lead uh, as a follower. I think soul care and caring, uh, appreciating, speaking words of affirmation. Uh, to, to to staff is priceless. Yes. A lot of ministers don't do that. You go in, you close your door, you type your sermon, you go home. No, no. You need to go ask them about their family and their kids yes. and yes. find specific things to appreciate them. Yes, that's so, so good. I remember, yeah. Rusty, I had a pastor that I worked for a long time, because you know, I'm an old man now. I'm 60. But I remember back in the 20s, uh, in my 20s, when I was working at a church, and I've shared this story in person in our events, but there was we had a pastor, and this is back in the day when you got paid twice a month with a physical check, you know, way before today. And we had this pastor, Pastor Brad, would walk around the t- walk around when our checks were cut, and he yep. would come out, and each staff member, he would personally hand the check to and say, yep. thank you so much for what you do. We couldn't do what we do without you. And mm-hmm. I just remember, I'd do, I'd do anything for that guy. <laughs> because I just felt thank, I just yep. felt noticed because yep. you know he you know, we were I was part of a large staff at that time and and so just being noticed and being and thanked it, it made a it made a huge difference in my life. As we move kind of toward the end of the podcast, you've talked a lot about soul care. Yes. Um, so so let's say a pastor's listening right now and the, yep. they know this because what I'm worried about happening right now is we are dealing with soul care so much that people are going to think it's a fad and it's not. It's what we need to do. So what are some what are some practical steps? If I've never done anything to uh, develop some soul care in my life, what are some practical things you would share with the pastor who's never done that? OK, my spiritual rhythms were perfect, perfectly designed to get me exactly what I was getting, mm-hmm. uh, which is not healthy. Um, and so as I leaned into it, I realized that it's not the natural 
uh, rhythms, uh, disciplines, exercises, spiritual habits that I'm naturally, um, you know, uh, uh, good at. Mm -hmm. um, it's not those that are going to get me through this. It's the unnatural. It's the harder in soul care. They call it the shadow side, the things that um, that are not as easy for you. So for me, as being a fast paced, high energy evangelistic promoter, um, it's resting, slowing, pausing and reflecting resting slowing pausing and reflecting i hated those i was going to sit there and go i know you so well i'm going i don't know how, how does how does rusty richard do this how do you yes, do this yes yes well um i i dove in and uh i at first i overdid it because i come up with a, a strategic plan and i type it all out and i have all these books and all these things i'm going to do okay which is the wrong thing to do so you did exactly um, what you were doing so, before Zoe yeah. care to do so care. Yeah, you can, and, and I want to challenge you guys not to do that. Don't do that. Uh, but, I, but I quickly changed. Uh, here's the thing. When they hired me here, um, they put in my contract that I get a sabbatical every fifth year. Mm -hmm. Well, my fifth year was 2020. So that didn't work out. But they, 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 I didn't get my sabbatical until this last summer. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I uh, actually get another one in like three more years now. But uh, my, I, my sabbatical was a chance for me to hit the reset button to develop a new priority pattern of living. Mm -hmm. And so that going forward, my next five years of ministry, seven years of ministry, I could live out a, a new pattern. Uh, so I was given uh, six weeks of sabbatical, but I actually got nine to 10 weeks because I got uh, two two weeks of covenant group retreats. Next week, I get a Bob Russell retreat um, and uh, the Bob Russell retreat. And then uh, I also had a week getting away in Minnesota with my family. So I had 10 weeks or so. Now, if your church does not offer you a sabbatical, um, my response to them is use this time to get a sabbatical, okay? Because I think more churches and leadership are aware that stuff's not right. Mm -hmm. And you could use this as a time to get it into your contract. Um, sabbatical is not a vacation. It's a time of extended leave for the purpose of pursuing God through planned rest and meaningful activities. And just real quick, I would say that the, the three top things that I did on my sabbatical that I would encourage ministers to do, number one, broom tree retreat, I went to Broomtree, uh, uh, Dwayne and Rita Hannon lead a ministry, you go to Broomtree Ministries uh, and get on. They they lead two couples retreats. Now, there is no schedule. There is no teaching. Um, you you just go and they pamper you. It's based off of First Kings where Elijah is depressed. He sits down under the broom tree and God provides food and tells him to rest and eat. Mm -hmm. So that's all you do all week long is they pamper you. You just rest and eat. They tell you unplug, no, no technology. There's not even a television in your room. You just, you just sleep and rest with your spouse mm -hmm. all week long. And that is exactly what I needed mm -hmm. to begin uh, so that Rusty Richards can can finally relax. The other thing I did is I attended nine churches, nine different churches. I did not come here and they're all various sizes, some thousands of people. And I set through worship services, entire services, nine of them next to my family, uh, like a normal person. OK, and uh, well, that, I got to ask you, though, did you did you critique it? The first couple of weeks, I, I wanted to get up and move and critique, mm. but there was a moment at one church two or three weeks in where um, a song came came on, a worship song. Um, let's see. Uh, it was uh, Run to the Father. 
I don't know if you know that worship song. And man, I got choked up because the words of that song was like for me. It says, I've carried a burden for far too long on my own. I, was, I wasn't I was created to carry or bear it alone. And it's all about running to the Father and releasing this burden. And man, I broke during that song. Um, so visiting those churches, I having uh, lunches with all those ministers. I had nine mentors that I met with during that sabbatical time. And I came back from that sabbatical um, uh, determined to slow down. And I have. Uh, part of that is I have an associate here now that takes a lot of stuff off my plate, which is awesome. And I'm willingly giving it and I, I get it and I, I, I'm not resisting that. Um, but I'm, it's little things like I'm, I'm not running home. I'm not rushing around. I don't fill my schedule. I actually take Sabbaths. Listen, most ministers do not take Sabbaths. You need to take a Sabbath. You need Preach. to take a Sabbath. Every week. I didn't do that, but I do now. Our staff office is shut down on Fridays. Now, that if people call the church or stop by, they can't expect anybody to answer. Uh, some of our staff will work a Friday if they happen to have something they're doing on a different day and they have to shift their Sabbath or day off mm -hmm. around. But our church people know Fridays, the office is, is closed otherwise. Um, I admit my limits. I spend way more time with my family. I'm more strategic with my family than I am with our church growth. What does that mean? It wasn't like that before. Before, I would type out strategic growth plans for the whole year for our church, uh, financial growth, numerical growth, uh, spiritual growth, you know, and I had strategic things typed out. Now I do that for my family. I, what, what, I am. Yeah, give us an example. What you talking about? Okay. With your family? Um, so it, it, for my family, it, um, spending time with my kids. So right now I am strategically teaching my son uh, drums and swimming, my oldest daughter archery and my young, my middle child um, uh, soccer. And we spend uh, every night, I, I spend uh, an hour or two or three uh, with one or two of my kids. And I do that every night. And when I come home from work, it's no longer giving them the leftovers anymore. Wow. It's not like that. And I do go home um, at four o'clock uh, period. The only the only days that I may not go home exactly at four o'clock is when my family is not there. Mm -hmm. And I happen to want to work later so that the next day I could be home even earlier for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, is, I, your, is your marriage better? Our marriage is better. Um, my wife, just like most ministers, wife, uh, has her own, uh, emotional and, uh, you know, difficulties with being a minister's wife and so forth. But, um, but she, I thought when we did this sabbatical that she'd get sick of me being home for that long, mm -hmm. but no, she says she loved it. She loved really? it. And, and my family, maybe uh, she loves you. <laughs> as we visited other churches, um, my family, uh, I thought that they would um, uh, like those other churches more. In fact, I thought I was going to like those other churches more. Like I'm cheating on my church. I'm going to fall sure. in love with other churches. Sure. But no, we all can't. We all wanted to come back to our church. It, it was um, so good. In fact, my son uh, uh, said uh, that he can't wait to go back. And he loved our church more than all the other churches because out of nine churches, none of them served donuts. <laughs> only our church <laughs> whatever it takes <laughs> whatever it takes man that's pretty yeah. good so here's uh we, we kind of as we get toward the end of the podcast there's a couple of things i wanted to ask you um do you think your kids are the love they love the church more now with the new dad than they did with the old dad oh absolutely absolutely i don't think that i was giving them my 
my best. I wasn't giving them the best of me. And uh, I wasn't all there. Even when I was physically there, I wasn't all there. Mm -hmm. And they could totally sense uh, the stress and the, the, the emotions and they, they, they sense it all. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. And these are pivotal moments. My, my oldest is now a freshman. She's taking driver's ed, mm -hmm. you know, my middle child in junior high, my son's last year in elementary school. Uh, it's really important times for me to be with them. And, uh, and you know, so there's, summer, no, there's no do over. I mean, you got one shot with your kids, you know? Well, this summer we we went on a family mission trip together for for four days to Shiloh Christian Children's Ranch, and uh, this summer I went on a junior high CIY move or mix conference, and mm -hmm. my my oldest daughter did a week of camp and move conference, and you know I'm just making sure that my kids are get, are experiencing God and people of God as much as possible uh, while they're under my house. Uh, just the other day, a lady uh, that's a PK, preacher's kid, uh, she grew up as a preacher kid. Um, she came over, she's an adult, and she took my my oldest out and they walked for an hour and a half together, just just mentoring. I love it. Your kids would say, uh, we have a dad, we, our dad, because you, because you do represent one of the roles that we do as fathers is we represent Father God. And, and I, I know your kids feel probably like they have a new dad. Uh, as we wrap up the podcast, we always end it with this question. So I want you to think about this. If you're sitting down today with one of our listening one of our pastors that are listening right now, um, what's one word of encouragement, advice, or wisdom you would share with any leader today who may specifically kind of be where you were before you experienced this breakthrough? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't come away, you'll come apart. If you don't come away, you will come apart. Uh, 50% of ministers starting out will not last five years. Average minister lasts three or four years. 10% um, of pastors uh, will retire as a pastor. It means 90% won't. If you don't come away, you will come apart. Jesus says in Mark 6 uh, to his disciples, come away with me to a quiet place. Um, that was right off the heels of him sending them out. They did great ministry. They came back, reported to him. Crowds were flocking around him. He didn't give them advice how to be more effective in, in leadership or in ministry or strategies. He said, come away with me or you're going to come apart. He's, he's saying, um, you're going to get caught up in the hype and the power and the popularity. But before you do, come away with me before you come apart. That's I've been so in ministry for 20 years. And uh, I'm so glad that that this shift happened right now. In fact, I'm thankful for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. As painful as uh, 2020 was, it's exactly what I needed. And going forward, I am I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna do you ministry are. the rest of my life. Uh, I'm so much stronger. Um, I'm I'm humbled by it. Mm -hmm. And my family, my family needed it. And and you know what? I I'm I feel like if if it didn't happen. Our church would have just kept growing, and uh, who knows what what, what happened to you? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, to 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 pull full circle and go. All right, I saw on a Zoom call where you looked at me and you're freaked out about the pandemic, and for you to look at me and say, "I thank God for the pandemic." Yeah. Uh, that's great growth. And so I hope today, pastors, again, Rusty's one of us, and and I hope you will reach out to him. We'll put in the show notes the links to the different things that he talked about today. As we wrap up, I want to remind everyone we've begun a new conference uh, with 95 Network and a new ministry that we're calling Soul Care Essentials. 
And uh, we did we, the new conference that we're rolling out. The first part of it, we deal with your private life, uh, just how you're doing on the inside. The second part of it, we deal with your with your personal life, with your family and relationships. And then we spend the third session talking about your professional life. Uh, and so if you'll check out the website, we're, we're going to be unveiling more and more places we'll be doing this conference. It's, it's just uh, you confirmed today, Rusty, that this is exactly what we need to be doing. And so thank you for your time. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your friendship with 95 Network. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God does with you in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 95 Podcast. We look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. In the meantime, visit our website at 95network.org. The website is loaded with great resources created for small and mid-sized church leaders. Until next time, have a great week. Music